If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is not Sean Connery, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to the 430 Movie Podcast at 430movie.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't already picked up the hardcover edition of the 50-Year Mission, it's time for you to go out and get the paperback version of the 50-Year Mission, which is just out in paperback from St. Martin's Press. This is the complete oral history of Star Trek, the first 25 years, from me and Ed Gross. And if you think you know everything there is to know about Star Trek, think again. The 50-Year Mission, out in paperback now. And if you can't read, the audiobook is still available. Hey, are you Darren Docterman from the 430 movie? Why, why, yes, I am. Well, I recognize you because I have the Electric Now app, and I get to see all these great Electric Surge podcasts on video for the first time ever. I'm delighted. I'm delighted that uh, you came up to me and said hello. Well, I got to tell you, how can I watch all these incredible podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, The Best Movies Never Made, and uh, other things? Well, you can find us on uh, Distro and on uh, uh, the Electric Now app. And Stir. And Stir, see, I I, I knew you knew it. I did know, because I'm not really a stranger (laughs) on the street. I'm Mark A. Altman, your (laughs) co-host. Well, maybe I should have been watching these podcasts all along. I would have recognized you. Join us on Electric Now, currently streaming on Distro TV and Stir, and coming soon to the Electric Now app. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Oh, and today, wow, we got a show. We got a show. We got a show <laughs> where we're going far beyond the stars, and uh, pun intended, and uh, with some great guests. Before we introduce you to our very special guest, Anshis Tuvikas, who's special in his own way. Very uh, he's the writer for such films as Thor and X-Men First Class. He's a writer-producer on such TV series as Black Sails, Lore, Fringe, and wow. a secret project which shall not be named. Which <laughs> I one day will be able to talk about it someday. someday, and that day may never come. And I know you would love to talk, to be able to talk about it even more than I'd like to be able to talk about it. I would so love to be able to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, Ashley e. Miller, welcome back. Thank you for having me. And now, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited that uh, she, uh, you know after this post Thanksgiving weekend, she would deign to join us here on the Trexperts. Uh, I've had the privilege and the, uh, to, to have worked with her, even though we weren't in the same country at the no. time. But that's still working together. And uh, I, you know, look, I grew up on on uh, just a huge, huge fan. Um, and of course, it is the legendary Aaron Gray, Colonel. 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 Commander of the Earth Defenses. That's right. Thank you. Earth Defense Directorate. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Good for you. Hey, I, I have the Australian Blu-ray import. Of, oh, okay. Uh, so... Um, I just, it's, it's the weirdest thing. It's very, you know, it's not available streaming, I think, or maybe it is on the, it'll be eventually on Peacock, the Universal MCA streaming platform. Very hard to get, Buck Rogers. It's on MeTV now, apparently. Okay. But, you know, 
as though I needed to watch the Blu-rays to remember Planet of the Amazon Women uh. and uh, all those wonderful cruise ship to the stars. Flight of the War Witch. I remember I worked with Sid Haig on a project who played Spiro in Flight of the mm-hmm. War Witch. With, mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, everybody's like, oh, this is the guy from House of It, what, with Thousand Corpses or <laughs> whatever, or, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, he's in Diamonds Are Forever. I'm like, no, it's Spiro from Flight of the War Witch. Okay. <laughs> Enough about my pathetic Welcome. stories. It's great to have you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And, and people here. may be saying, wait a second, you know, did you just get peanut butter my chocolate? What's this Buck Rogers and you're a Star Trek podcast, right? But... <laughs> Look, we're all one big happy family. But it is interesting because you did have your brush with Star Trek. Yes, um, I did. I had a couple of brushes, actually. Three brushes with Star Trek. Let's 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 talk about the first brush. Well, the first one was doing a a fan based, I guess. Um No, wait a minute. Okay. I'm mixing things. Okay. Because we were talking, we were talking about, about that earlier, yeah. <laughs> right, uh, James uh, Crawley. Call, call, yeah. uh, he has a Star Trek studio up in Ticonderoga, but we were shooting a fan base Buck Rogers oh. series. So yeah. I got the two of them confused in my head. Uh, and I did two Star Trek episodes with um, Vic. Yeah. Mm. Oh, the Star Trek continues, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. exactly. Um, so that was my only, you know, Star Trek appearances were on two of his episodes. That must have been interesting doing Buck Rogers, though, doing a... Uh, that was, actually. And I was just looking at the film this weekend. My husband put it up on Thanksgiving. I'm going, what are you doing? I'm trying to cook here. And you've got this. this, this. But I was I, I was uh, very impressed with the quality of their work that Fred Olin, the director, mm-hmm. did and, and what we accomplished up there. Unfortunately, we only did half the episode right. and didn't finish the series. But it was a... It, it was going to be an actual... Actually, Buck Rogers series, and my daughter was cast as Buck Rogers' girlfriend before he goes off, before he becomes frozen in time and whatever. So that sounds awkward. (laughs) (laughs) And then she was going to come when he comes back hundreds of years later. She would be me. Right. Oh, okay. I know. So that's how that was. Oh, that would have been fun. Kind of interesting. Yeah. We look a lot alike. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So that was your, the brush one. Right. Second brush was. What was the, doing the Star Tech continues. Right. Right. Okay. Two episodes that I did with that. And then. The third. Oh, that's right. The the going, you mean talking about the audition. Yeah. Oh. See, because, you know, there was a lot of talk back when uh, people are talking that when uh, Voyager was first being cast, that you were in contention for the lead that ultimately Genevieve Bougeau got. Yes. I didn't know I was in contention. All I remember is telling my agent, I want to audition for this. And he said, no, Rick Berman doesn't want you. I said, I'm sorry. But the fans and myself, I really want to do this. And I'm, I am I want to play the captain. Finally, I want to be the captain, which you let me be the captain. Thank you very much. Um, and I, I begged. I begged to audition. And they kept saying no. They finally let me audition. And I remember they're saying, we, are, we want to make... They're having difficulty with the actors because there's a lot of sci-fi dialogue. And I said, well, after two years on Buck Rogers, I think I can handle that. <laughs> However, it's kind of hard to uh, let's see how to tell this story. Um, so they were very concerned that I, you know, someone could nail this monologue. So I worked really hard on the monologue. Man, I just I, they're going to let me in the room. I got 20 minutes to prove that I can do this, right? 
And I walk into the room and I hi, hi, hi. And I'm I'm not hearing who I'm being introduced to because all I can think about is I gotta yeah. memorize these lines and I've got to stay in character and whatever. And I start the first line and I hear this voice saying, So, you don't remember me, do you? We only spent three weeks in Palms in Hawaii together. And I went and it's like everything in my brain disappeared. <laughs> everything. <laughs> And I looked at him and I went, Palm, uh, Hawaii, Hawaii. Who did I? I don't know. Three weeks? Wow. And I'm, I'm thinking. And, and, I'm, and then when he reminded me that we had done Magnum P.I. together, I went, oh, well, you gained a lot of weight and lost all your hair. So it's really oh hard. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, I didn't say it. it but yeah. No, no, no. I, I, know, I would have had so much it, respect. But in my mind, I'm like, supposed to remember you? I mean, I mean, really? Oh you, you know, uh, so uh, at that point, um, I did okay, but I didn't nail it the mm. way I should have because I was just all the emotions were going mm. around inside, and you know, so I didn't, I didn't, ah, you know, mm. that sweet spot that you right. work so hard yeah. to get yeah. to, and and I, that's when I wrote in my book, by the way, act right. I said I, I just told my my agent afterwards. I said anytime I do an audition, I want a list of the people who are in, the room, be in the room so I can be prepared mm-hmm. to know what I'm going to be dealing with. You wow. know, that's so smart and it's so true. Yeah, because you were totally thrown off your game by Completely. that. Completely. And had you known who was in the room, you I would have been... been able to. Hey, good to see mm-hmm. you. I would have remembered. We could have a nice little conversation. I would have at least been prepared for it. But instead, I did had an emotional explosion inside of myself. <laughs> oh, not not a good time for that to happen. But I really wanted that part. But I think um, Kate Mulgrew did a wonderful job. I'm glad she got it. And and apparently she liked bald, heavyset men. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe they. <laughs> They ended up, yes, together. For, for <laughs> and I went, while, I, I yes. didn't have a chance <laughs> once I heard that, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Goodness. Well, and yes, and the rest is, is history, is as history, they say. Right. But look, you, 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 you started a company that's uh, been hugely successful ah. with, uh, <laughs> this is like coming as news to you. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I don't quite think of it that way. Most of the time, I'm tied to my desk. I'm tied to my computer. I'm typing away. I'm working hard. I... I I enjoy the fact that I still live in Los Angeles and I'm still available for for acting jobs or whatever. But I guess, yeah, I have. (laughs) Well, Heroes for Hire. And I mean, look, I read the article on the front page of the L.A. Times, just like a lot of other people when a couple years ago. We did? Oh, okay. Yeah, there was a beautiful article article on on you guys. (laughs) Oh, good. And uh, you you represent a bunch of actors for convention appearances, personal appearances. And that's just blossomed over the years. It has. I, I was very blessed to get at the ground level of a, of a business that didn't exist beforehand. And I feel sort of like I helped make it into a business kind of thing. And uh, so it was very interesting to ride that wave. And 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 now I have five employees. And I'm wow. like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> it's a real business. I did, yeah, I never, it's not something I ever thought myself uh, thought of myself doing. Being the captain, that's fine. But <laughs> never running a company, I, it just wasn't in my, you know, modeling, acting. That was more my area. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that because you know you have such an interesting path to uh, to stardom in a sense, and that you uh, you, you started up modeling at a very yes. young age, um, yes. which you know in the seventies was fraught with. You know, it was could be exciting 60s. and sixties <laughs> in the sixties. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm that old. Oh, were you two? Were you doing Gerber baby ads? <laughs> no, dippity do for setting your hair oh, was yes. my first dippity TV do. for my yeah. first commercial, and then RC uh, Cola with Art mm-hmm. Linkletter was my oh, second my one. Wow, <laughs> really? Yes, in 1965. Wow, That's and I cool. was a, I was a teenager. I was uh, in high school and. Uh, um, hated high school. I had moved around to a lot of different schools. I don't know if you want the whole story or whatever, how I got into the business. Okay. So I uh, was always coming into a school like in the middle of the year where all the cliques and the, you know, Mm -hmm. friendships had already been established. And I, I had this idea I'm coming into this new school, and I am going to be popular. <laughs> I am, and I looked around, and I said, who's popular? Well, there's the cheerleaders, and they're the girls that work at the May Company teen board modeling what, perfume or whatever. And so I went in, and I proceeded to do an interpretive dance for my audition. <laughs> See, I told you we wanted the whole story. <laughs> I, I knew nothing about cheerleading. I just knew that they were popular, and I can move. So I just went in cold, and I remember there was this huge um, basketball court, and there were five people at a long table, and they turned on this music, and I went, okay, and I just decided, I just kept moving, and I finished with a big splash, and I looked over, and there were five people who had the slack-jawed look. (laughs) Uh, That was interesting. Really interesting. And I knew at that moment that I had failed terribly. <laughs> oh, no. But I didn't know that that is the prerequisite that you need as an actor, to be mm. willing to throw yourself into any situation and make an absolute fool out of yourself and hopefully survive. So I left that, and I went over to May Company, and I got a job mm. as a teen model. And I went home, and my mother's boyfriend was there in the kitchen, and I told him I was so excited I got this job. And he said, why would you want to work at a department store and make $25 a week when you could make $40 an hour as a model? And I went, nice idea, but I don't know anything about modeling. He proceeded to give me the map to success. Hmm. Now, his trade was an inventor. So he was a kind of guy who would see things and invent it and get a patent mm. on it. That's what he did. So he said to me, he said, well, if you want to be a model, you got to do research. And I said, okay. And he said, well, what do you, I said, he said, well, what do you need to be a model? I said, uh, I was thinking, is this a trick question? You work with a photographer? He said, right. And what city would you need to work at? We were living in Newport Beach at the time. He said, Los Angeles. So he put a map of LA on the wall and he got out. The Yellow Pages. So I tell people that I got started as a, as a model, as an actress, through the Yellow Pages. <laughs> because, he said, now we have to do research. And he proceeded to call every single photographer in Los Angeles. Wow. And during that process, learned that you needed to have an agent. Mm-hmm. And in the process of finding out who the best agencies were, he did a little survey. Who was the best? Why do you like this working with this agency and not that? By the end of the day, we knew more about the modeling industry and probably had more dirt and information that agents wanted to know about what people really thought about them than anybody. And he said, okay, now the next day we're going to do cold calls. And one of the things that he had done was he put a pin on the map as to where all the photographers were located in Los Angeles. And at that time, most of them were located on Robertson Boulevard and across Santa Monica. 
Hmm. And that was the hotbed. of, And they all seemed to be clustered together. He said, well, this will make our work easy. We're going to go in and we're going to cold call. Now, I also didn't have a driver's license. I had my driver's permit. He showed up, I remember, at my house in a cherry red hot Mustang convertible in 1965, first one off the factory floor. It hmm. was gorgeous. My mother's having a heart attack. Like, you can't let her drive that. What did you get the Diane, don't worry. We'll, we'll fix it, you know. And I proceeded to drive on the freeway, like my first lesson of driving on the freeway into Los Angeles from Newport Beach. He kept saying, you know, you can go a little faster. So, okay. <laughs> anyway, so finally he said, the next thing is, is you're going to do cold calls and people are going to may slam the door on your face or get mad at you. He said, whatever you do, don't take it personally has nothing to do with you. They had a fight with their wife. They had a, a tax bill or whatever. Don't worry about it. Okay. So, and one of the things that he kept saying, and this kind of came, became the theme was, is he kept saying, what have you got to lose by trying? Mm-hmm. You already got the job at May Company. You got nothing to lose. Let's just do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we knocked on doors and sure enough, we had people <laughs> slamming doors and people, what do you think bothering me? I'm hanging a paper. I can't do this, whatever. About door 11, guy opens the door and goes, oh, gee, what a pretty girl. I'm like, oh, okay, finally. <laughs> okay, all right. He said, I just hung up some paper. I got a new lens. I'd love to test it. Let's do a sh- some shooting. And I tested with him for about an hour. Now, the good thing for me was that my mother had been a photographer in her 20s mm-hmm. and had worked for Bernard of Hollywood mm-hmm. doing pinup pictures and whatever. So as a little girl growing up, she was always getting me to pose and pictures and doing the Betty Grable pose and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And it was a time that my mother and I bonded. It was one of the few times that we shared memories together. Mm. My, I wasn't that close to my mom. Um, but anyway, so I was very comfortable. Put that camera in front of me. Sure, let's yeah. go. You know. Uh, and after we did that, he said, okay, we're now, and you need an agent. So we're near a couple of agencies. Which one would you like to go to? And I picked Fran O'Brien, which was like the worst down at the bottom of the list because that's where my self-esteem was at that time. So I go in and I remember there was this very bored secretary chewing gum, barely looking up. Okay, sure. You know, you think people think you can walk in off the street. You know, we have open calls on Wednesday, blah, blah, blah. And I went, okay. And I was like crushed. I said, let's go home. And he said, no. Number one is across the street. Mm-hmm. And I started to argue. And he said, what do you got to lose by trying? Mm-hmm. I went, Okay, we're here. So we go in. I have to understand, I was wearing a turquoise blue dress that I had made in home economics. Mm-hmm. I had white gloves on because my mother said, you go into the city, you have to wear gloves. <laughs> she didn't realize that had passed a number of years ago, at least a decade before. <laughs> and I had white shoes that I had, like, a lot of shoe nurses' shoe polish that mm-hmm. I had fixed up or whatever. Anyway, so I go in there, and the secretary says, could you do me a favor? Could you just walk? And she, I walked. She said, oh, great legs. Hold on a second. She goes in to sees Miss Blanchard. And she comes out. She said, no, Miss Blanchard's really busy, and she's got a lunch date. She said, could you smile? And I smile. And she said, oh, dimples. Good teeth, too. Hold on a second. Goes back and sees Miss Blanchard. <laughs> Finally, she calls into Miss Blanchard's office, and Nina was sit in, sitting in there with smoking a cigarette. Ugh, I hate working with teenagers. I'm gonna work <laughs> with their social, the social workers and their mothers. And uh, but I tell you what, I have an odd two auditions, and they want real 15 year old girls, and all my girls are 18 and older. So, so I tell you what, I'm gonna send you on those two auditions, and you do well. You call me back when you graduate from high school, and I was like, 
okay, <laughs> I'm in the door. So day number two, I get my second lesson of driving my car. <laughs> and then I, I go into the meeting, and this is what I brought into the meeting. And I tell this story to people, young people who to, to inspire them. I say, be interested in. Because I went in there and I said, okay, so you're an art director. How do you become an art director? Did you go to school to become an art director? There's our classes for it. Now you have pictures. Oh, it's a storyboard. Okay. Did you do the writing, the drawing as well as the creating the concept? And what made you think of this con- I was so I wanted to be out of high school you understand mm-hmm. I wanted to be in the adult world and I couldn't stand high school any longer and he, he I was in there for an hour and after about an hour I had my arm around his shoulder I said this is how you talk to your daughter about drugs okay and I was giving him all kinds of advice and whatever and I and then I leave and I go to the next audition and I do the same thing and I'm talking to how did you get this job where'd you come up with this idea oh there's like 300 pictures you got to look at all these pictures to find the right girl oh my goodness and I'm talking and talking and then I drove home and Gene said to me one of the rules in business is to always say thank you so he said I want you to pick up the phone and call Miss Blanchard and thank her for her time I said okay so about five o'clock he comes into my bedroom and he says have you called I said no no sir he said, well, I want you to call her right now. Yes, sir. So I called up Miss Blanchard. Hi, Miss um, Blanchard, this is Erin Gray. And I, where the, and she used the four-letter word starting with an F, are you? I have been looking all over Southern California for you. You need to be in my offices by 6.30 to sign contracts. <laughs> wow. I said, uh, I just want, no, 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 no. Don't hang up. Make sure I, I, I and I just get contracts, and I landed both national commercials. Wow. God. And I was so happy. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm going to be on Miss America on the Dippity Doo commercial, and I, you know, and that was it. And I, I did very well in school, but I just hated the environment, and I hated right. being the new kid. So so much for the May Company. <laughs> yeah, they lost that. Oh, but I got, became Bloomingdale. I, I know it. We know. Well, you, and you spent time in New York, so you know Bloomingdale's, uh, Aaron's Bloomingdale commercials. Of course. Are you old enough? No, I do not remember. <laughs> <laughs> but that's incredible. And then you just took off from there. You just started modeling. Pretty much. I mean, I started modeling. Uh, my mom ended up remarrying somebody else. Uh, my mother married five times. so She missed out. This guy was a keeper. <laughs> Tell me about it. I mean, he was my mentor for life and best yeah, friend. Right. And that that was the greatest gift she gave me was him. Because mm. uh, he was Mr. Positive. Right. And she was always negative. Yeah. It was, she was always, eh, the sky is falling. It's not, eh, he can't drive the car. You're going to, bu- you know, whatever. And mm. he was like, no, let's do it. And he he ended up really making, um, He I found out later that he liked to help teenage kids. Mm-hmm. And he had a whole group of kids that he'd inspired and helped. And one of them was a young Hispanic kid that he said, you've got to clean up the, the speaking. You've got to make sure that you don't have the accent. You've got to be nice, crisp, if you're going to be a, an attorney. And, and then when he graduated from college, he said, and the first case you're going to have is we're going to sue, sue Motorola. Because he had invented the first heart monitoring system for runners. Mm-hmm. And Motorola stole it. And so he said to this young man, he said, you'll learn more in this case. And the one thing that we have on our side is you don't cost me a cent. Right. And we have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. And Motorola is just going to keep this going and we'll just ride well, along well. and we're gonna, you're going to learn everything you need to know. And he won. Wow. And what unfortunately for my mom... <laughs> It's like she didn't enjoy this because he had a new girlfriend in here. <laughs> and he was, really, you know, renting helicopters and mm-hmm. going first class around the world. Yeah. And he was the kind of guy who would make that money and then and blow it. Right. And then make it again. 
that kind of guy. And my <laughs> anyway, yeah. Oh my god! How wonderful that he connected to you in uh, your life. Yes. A blessing and a half. It's a miracle. No, I, it truly is. He's the most important person in my life in terms of giving me good advice, that's always so, being there so for wonderful. me, always inspiring me to take a chance, always having a positive spin on things. Yeah, it was, yeah, missed him. Yeah. Well, Darren, I'm sure you relate to that a lot because you've been such a good, you know, to your ex-girlfriend's son, you know. Uh, you know, it's... It just you, takes you gotta, one person yeah. in your life to make a difference, to take a different path in life. Yeah. And I have used that formula that he gave me in every success. Mm-hmm. When I moved to New York, did the same thing. I got out the yellow pages. Of course, wasn't the right thing to do in New York, but I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I went and cold called every photographer in New York, and they're going, why are you calling me? I mean, you should be calling me. Oh, is that? Oh, oh, oh. Well, I'm here. <laughs> That's right. it's been four weeks, I just got into the B. <laughs> Now, when did you realize, you know, in your modeling career that you wanted to act? Like, when when did you realize you wanted to make that transition? I didn't. For, for a while, I, I loved being on commercials. That was great and lots of fun. And I, I, uh, I did a Malibu U, which is a TV series with Ricky Nelson. This time, I went on an audition for Teen Magazine. I thought it was a print job. And they said, can you dance? And I said, sure. What do you want to see? The monkey, the fish, the swim, the twist, or whatever. And I broke into dance and got the job. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which was great. You know, and I became part of the Bob Bannis dancers. As a matter of fact, the only time Leonard Nimoy was ever photographed singing Bilbo Boggins. Oh, my God. I'm the girl on his over his right shoulder oh in the my little goodness. Videl Sassoon haircut. No. And How'd you know how you keep dis- a straight face. Uh, well, well, <laughs> well actually <laughs> and, when, and you know how I discovered I was at a creations entertainment event uh-huh. and I was backstage they and they played it and I went, Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Isn't that did, did you have one of the stickers that said, what is a Leonard Nimoy? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I ended up being the straight person doing comedy routines with Ricky Nelson between the musical variety act, because I wasn't really a professional dancer. Mm-hmm. I just had a lot of personality and was fearless. So, you know. <laughs> so then they would give me these, these jokes, and they were so dumb. They were so dumb that I didn't know how to act them, so I did them completely deadpan. Right. Which was great. Right. It was the best thing that ever happened. You know, like, they, this girl's golden. Right. I mean, you know, just totally deadpan on these she stupid... She gets us. She, yeah. <laughs> and one of, my, one, of my, one, of my, one of my other favorite moments was uh, Don Ho. Mm-hmm. Don Ho came on the show. He was so drunk. Oh, no. Hmm. He was so drunk that he couldn't even remember the words to Tiny Bubbles. Oh, my gosh. And and, and they kept doing the shot. It was first it would be a close-up, and they kept getting, okay, we're going to just... And finally, it was him on the street, <laughs> uh, walking along the beach with about 12 girls in bikinis. But anyway, they asked me to put a lay over his head and give him a kiss on the cheek, mm-hmm. which is what you do in Hawaii. Sure. So I did that, and he stuck his tongue down my mouth. Oh, geez. And I walloped him. It's the only time I've ever hit a man wow. my entire life. I just realized that. Wow. And you were originally from Hawaii, so yes. Don was kind of a legend well, he there. he was a legend. Yeah. I'm the girl from Hawaii. Here I'm putting a lay over his neck. It was yeah. wonderful. Oh. 
and literally slapped him so hard that the director and the producer and the trailer on the sand bluffs over here, you could see the trailer just start shaking. <laughs> oh they were laughing so hard at that oh moment. My goodness. They said, okay, no, don't do that. And I said, okay, well, don't have him do that, and I'll be fine. You know. And we did it again, and I hit him again. He did it again. And I was like, you know, I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. I was just mortified. It was just horrible. Ugh. Ugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, you did good. You don't have to be sorry. No, Don Ho needs to be, be sorry. <laughs> See? A girl apologizing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, for hitting someone. But anyway, that was an interesting experience because I then ended up dating a rock star and, 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 Picking up a hitchhiker who ended up turning out to be a reporter from the L.A. Times. He ended up putting me on the cover of the calendar section and calling me stupid. What? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm a math major at UCLA. Straight A's. I got high SAT tests. I am not Uh, stupid. I am playing someone stupid, but I'm not stupid. And that somehow was hard for me to take. I was obviously very young Mm -hmm. and didn't understand the world and the full dynamics of the world. And... I remember saying to my boyfriend, the rock star, you know, he was driving me over to a Hollywood party, and we, you know, I and I was telling him the story. He said, "Oh, if I ever, if I see, ever I see him, I'll punch him out for you." I was like, "Okay, great." And we go to this party, and the door opens, and there's Mama Cass sitting mm-hmm. on a couch, mm-hmm. and right next to him is this re- reporter. And I went, "That's him." And you know what the guy did? He walked over to the reporter, introduced himself, and sat down. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. And I was like, <laughs> but he had an album coming out. Mm-hmm. Just you know, we've just been listening to the songs on the radio. So this was a cool like, press. Obviously, I was so mortified that I went into the kitchen and I called for a taxi mm. and I left that party. As you should. And I left Hollywood. Mm. Wow. Because also, again, I was much too young, but I had also left home because my mother had gotten married again. And Nina at that time was my legal guardian. And I hung out at the Daisy in the factory every night dancing. Mm -hmm. I love to dance. (laughs) But witnessed a lot of my heroes being idiots, Mm -hmm. drunken idiots. And the more I saw that, I was like, really, Richard Harris? You're Shakespeare? Or Omar Sharif? My God, the greatest bridge mine that ever was on right. the cover of Time magazine. I was like, you're my, my hero, but you're acting like stupid little boys. The only one you're missing there is Richard Burton. You know, Yeah, he wasn't there. Yeah. My, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then I decided that I was just going to commit to modeling in New York. Okay, so I figured it was time, leave L.A., went to New York. And um, about a couple of years into New York in my modeling career, a girlfriend said, come to my acting class. You know, just, you know, we'll go out to dinner afterwards, just hang out in the back, and when I'm done, we'll go out. I went, okay. So I'm sitting in that class, and I'm going, oh, so this is what acting is really all about. Oh, I like this. This is interesting. And I, four years later, I, you know, I finally got the chutzpah to, to, to leave that class <laughs> right, and come yeah. to Los Angeles, you know. So wow. that's where I got bitten by the bug of acting. Right. Even though I'd done commercials, I right. really hadn't aspired to be an actress. It wasn't. My and did you did you realize when you came out here? Did you think, okay, you know, I lucked with the acting with the modeling. It came very quickly and very yes, relatively somewhat, easily. Fairly. Did you have expectations that would be the same with the acting, or did you know that it would be kind no, of an uphill? No, I I, I felt it was going to be an uphill mm-hmm. climb. First of all, I'm an I'm a model. Right. 
And I don't think a lot of producers have a lot of respect for models necessarily being able to act. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I had to prove myself. And I, you know, I kept saying, Aaron, you have 30 minutes of TV commercials every night. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like having my own TV series. You know, I had so many commercials on the air at that time, and I'm on every billboard. So maybe somebody will pay attention because I was the maxi girl. By the time that I arrived, I was on the maxi girl, so I was on all the street corners of the billboards Mm -hmm. and so on. Um, But it was hard. It was very difficult to get a job. And finally, uh, Universal Studios said that they would be willing to put me under contract, which to me was an opportunity to get credits because I didn't have credits. And I was starting late as an actress. I was 28. And that's usually you've been in the business at least eight or or 10 years by that time. So uh, I knew I had to prove myself. So I knew that if I went under contract, they'd give me a job. And I could have a chance And to it act. sounds great because they were the factory back then. They had so many shows in they production. so many shows. So you figure you're constantly going to be working and you're going to be meeting so many different people because they're just going to cycle you through all these shows that they're doing. Right, right. And it's... how'd that turn out? <laughs> <laughs> Mixed blessings. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, one party was delighted to be doing Rockford Files with James Garner and, uh, you know, uh, had I had a dressing room right next to Robert Blake, so I got to hear all of his shenanigans going on. Um, the Beretta stories are unbelievable oh, with him. He, he, he fought every day on the phone, screaming, yelling at people constantly. I was like, wow, okay. But anyway, um, it, it was it was mixed blessings. Um, I, I ended up getting a, a, a TV... A four-hour four-hour miniseries with Glenn Ford, Shirley Jones, Patrick McNee, Edward um, Edward Albert Sr., and that was a fabulous experience. There's a whole story as to how I got that job. I had auditioned for it and had been told at five o'clock on a Friday night, as I was stirring spaghetti sauce or whatever, I get the phone call. I didn't get the job. And I remember the tears dripping into the spaghetti. So I'm never going to make it in this town, whatever. And then three hours later, feeling very fat and sassy on on, <laughs> on, on spaghetti, I get a phone call that I have the job. Huh? What? Okay. <laughs> what happened in those three hours? And I had to be, I had to get, a, I had to be in Santa Barbara on Monday. That gave me two days to memorize the script, find a babysitter for my, my baby, and make arrangements and pay bills and whatever, and get all set up. And I said, so what happened? And they said, well, I hope the actress is not with us anymore. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) the actress who was hired, um, Glenn Ford's wife, decided that she wasn't attractive enough to be opposite Glenn. Hmm. Yeah. So they mentioned they had these other names, and they said, well, they mentioned my name. She said, oh. And she was a model from New York, number one. She said, oh, and, and knew my Bloomingdale's campaign. She said, yes, that's a good one. <laughs> so then they called Operation Primetime in New York. Al Massini, I think his name was. God, I hope I got that right. And he, he, was, he was in the office. It was late at night, what, 11 o'clock or something. And they said, so Aaron Gray? He says, hey. And he talks to his secretary. Do you know who this Aaron Gray is? And she said, oh, yes. She's wonderful. He said, okay, Booker. <laughs> now, it turned out that his secretary was Eileen Ford's daughter. 
God, that is so <laughs> Who funny. I remember I had helped out lend her some money one time because she wanted to sneak out from her parents' house anyway. Wow. So that five bucks really paid <laughs> off. <laughs> and it's so funny because at the time, Glenn Ford was, I mean, he was in his late 60s, early yeah, 70s. No, he was 65, 66, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was fine as long as he didn't imbibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, he started drinking a little bit more towards the end. But, you know, he was... Uh, great to work with. I learned a lot. <laughs> I made every mistake possible on that first shoot. Well, you know, you're walking in a situation where you haven't really been on a set before. No. And I, mean, I, I was used to working on a set with, you know, shooting commercials, yeah, right. but you've got six people in a small little trailer or a truck or something like that. And if I say to the director, I have to go to the bathroom, you go, fine. I said it to the director on an evening in Byzantium, and he's like, I don't need to know. You have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I went, okay. Because I didn't understand the protocol. I love, speaking of protocol, the story you told me when you first arrived on set in Santa Barbara <laughs> and you're wandering around aimlessly. Well, you know, I was so excited to get this part and they, I, 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 a limo picked me up. <gasps> that was a first. I so That was so cool. So I'm driving up with the limo and we pull into this parking lot and there's these huge semi-trucks everywhere and hundreds of people. I think we were recreating the Cannes Film Festival on the beach or something. So there are hundreds of extras. And I'm looking around and going, okay. Oh, Okay, where do I go? Uh, okay, I can figure this out. I sat down on a curb. I figured I'll look for somebody who's carrying a, carrying a clipboard or a walkie-talkie, and I'll zero in on that person. So I started looking through all the people, and I get this tap on the shoulder, and I go, huh? And this woman says, I'm sorry, but uh, who are you? I said, well, I'm Erin Gray. She said, uh, you're starring in this movie. I said, uh-huh, I know. She said, <laughs> Well, uh, how about going makeup? Great. Where's makeup? So I go to the makeup trailer, and I get in the chair, and they're doing the makeup and whatever, and the uh, second AD knocks on the door and comes in, and he goes, oh, there you are. I'm going, yeah, I'm here. He said, oh, okay, now, what do you want for breakfast? I said, oh, don't worry, I'll get it. He said, no, what do you want for breakfast? I said, I... Please, I can get my own breakfast. Said, I don't want you to get breakfast. I want you to sit in that chair. I'm like, okay, I'll just sit in this chair. Fine, you know. And that kind of was where it went with everything I did that That's day. So I went ended up going on the set, and I remember they were fixing the lighting, and I'm standing there, and they said second team, and I went, uh, what second team? He said, well, someone who stands in for your lighting, and I went. I just worked with Avedon in New York. Well, no one stands in for my lighting. (laughs) (laughs) And the director went, fine, let her stand there. So three hours later in my high heels, can I get off the set, please? And of course, I'm now married to a DP who plays, yeah, they were lighting three little blocks through the window and down some, you know. Uh, Then there was, of course, in those days we had uh, film, which of course film is very precious. I didn't learn about that till later, how expensive it is, but that you had to match. So I, I didn't understand that. So I went through the very first scene that I did at a, at a table, and we had breakfast or lunch or something. And I had French fries and a salad, and I had coffee and cream and sugar. I had a clipboard and a notes, and I had my recording machine because I was playing a journalist. And we go through the scene, and I'm like, wow, I, I did it. We got all the way through it, and, the direct, and no one said cut, and it's great. And so then the script supervisor came up to me and said, so you're new in the business, aren't you? I said, was my acting that bad? She said, oh, no. 
it's quite good. But you do know you're going to have to match. I said, match what? <laughs> Everything. And, right. <laughs> and all I remember is my acting teacher saying to me, an actor never repeats a performance. Every <laughs> moment lives in its own time. <laughs> Not the right thing for me to say no. at that moment. No. She said, no, dearie. We, you know, you have to have a two-shot, an over-the-shoulder so shot, a close-up, and whatever. And everything you did on that master shot, you have to duplicate. And all I remember was like... This nuclear explosion came out in my belly, and it just went through my system. And I think I have two choices: I can either go home and crawl under the covers and tell them I can't do this, or I'm going to sit down with this script supervisor and memorize everything that I had done. And I will never forget this moment, and I will never forget <laughs> anything that I ever do again. And I sat down and memorized everything, mm-hmm. and we got through it. And that was my beginning. And I wrote a whole book on this called Act Right. Everything you need to know that they really didn't teach you in acting class of what to do when you get that job. I know, which you promised me a copy of, and I, I I'm hoping that you... I have in my will. trunk of my car. <laughs> Score. You know, he has copies well, of his book in his trunk. Well, so. well, you know, it's good because the first time I went to the uh, Cannes Film Festival, you know, I, I was very nervous. And everybody said, well, are you nervous? I said, well, you know, terrorism. They said, well, what are you worried about terrorism? I said, well, I saw, you know, in the evening in Byzantium, the terrorists attacked the Cannes you, you're the only person who has ever put that together. Oh, yeah. That was the four-hour miniseries. Mm-hmm. So when the terrorist attack <laughs> happened, I went, I did that movie. Yeah. I was in that movie. <laughs> Do, were, were, were those who were in the terrorist attack kids watching that movie <laughs> that got the idea? I mean, it's all yeah. Irwin Shaw's fault. Well, really. it's funny. I you know, I remember the, the miniseries more than I remember. I, I didn't remember said Operation Primetime. Really? I'm yes, like, Operation Primetime? Time. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> oh, my God. That was after ABC had all that success, and they started doing it for first run right. under Operation Prime time right. in right. syndication. Oh gosh, people of my own age. <laughs> this is so great. <laughs> yeah, it was back when I was modeling in 1965. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, and you know. I mean, George Lazenby? I mean, it's like, you know, to me, it's like you work with the legends like Glenn Ford. And I like, had no idea who he was. I have to tell you. He was just some good-looking guy on the beach. and I, you know, That's okay. He didn't he was, either. <laughs> which is good. So I have a question for you. Yes, now, yes, so we, yes. we've heard about your modeling career, yes. and we've heard about your acting career. But what I want to know about is your career as an athlete. Because oh, you yeah. did, in <laughs> fact, win the Battle of the Network uh-huh. Stars in 1985. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, I'm extremely competitive did you did you train <laughs> like was there was there like a coach in your life like who just you know who, who taught you everything you need to know about no no you strangely just... enough uh i wasn't athletic necessarily growing up i loved to dance so i was very comfortable with my body and when I was modeling and starting into acting, I realized I needed to be in shape. So I started doing things like training for marathons and really working out a lot uh, because that was a prerequisite to getting the job, basically, is to have a certain figure. Um, I, I, I just knew, I just know that my personality is such, like, I'll give you an example. I did a L'Oreal commercial one time, right? Girls on motorcycles with helmets, right? And I remember being out in Victorville on some flat sand dune somewhere, and, they, and I was the lead girl, and we were all lined up with our motorcycles, you know. And, and they had a girl just past the camera who was like, who did this. Don't... Doing that to me is like a flag in front of a bull, you know? (laughs) And I remember doing a wheelie. (laughs) And they're going, okay, Aaron, no, 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 just, you know, just go really slow. I could never go slow. I just wasn't in me. I I got five girls lined up, Mm -hmm. you do this. 
I take off. So they finally put me on a truck, you know, oh so that we goodness. could get the shot right. or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I, I remember one time I was at a, I had, I was in Silver Spoons and I had taken off a week to do a boot camp in the Santa Monica Mountains, mm-hmm. okay? And it was a house which was had 10 people in it and you shared a room with another person. I always thought it was a great idea for a reality show. Of yeah. course, 10, 15 years later, they did reality shows yeah. like this. But it was really interesting being in a house with these 10 people from all walks of life. So I had a librarian from Kansas rooming with me. And there was a football coach uh, from um, from Colorado who was in another room over here. And they nicknamed me the Point Sergeant <laughs> because Anything that we did, whether it's just walking down the trail, she's out front, leading <laughs> the pack. You know? So I, I learned a lot about myself that way. So when we did Battle of the Network Stars, um, we got a lot of money to win, and I, you know, I kept thinking, okay, that's the school payment, private school mm-hmm. payment for you know two years if I win this. Yep, you know? first place got a certain amount, second place, and then mm-hmm. third place right. got yeah, exactly. So they wouldn't let women be captains. This really annoyed me, but I took over anyway, mm-hmm. because to me it was like you know it's about winning, right? And I and if Bubba doesn't know the front end of a boat, I I, I, I somebody should tell him. So I <laughs> I did. It's a battle. It's a battle, <laughs> exactly. And so Somebody I found not a slap fight of the network star. Yeah, exactly, but I found myself going around and telling everybody, okay, you know, if you if you don't know the rules, you get deducted a certain amount of points. So at least know the rules. So right. here are the rules. So we can get that off the table, and we can do that. And I just, I just love doing Battle of the Network Stars. <laughs> Loved it. And I remember one time being there with uh, Robert Conrad, and we're on opposite teams, you know, and we're doing football. I know nothing about football, right? But I'm there. <laughs> Bring it on. And he's laughing at me. And I went, don't you laugh. Come on. You know, and, well, we won. I mean, I'm very determined. <laughs> you should have been captain. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is when Shatner, you know, was captain of the ABC team. He says, I know a little something about being a captain. <laughs> nice. But, uh, nice. Nice. You know, and, and it's funny. I remember talking to Robin Douglas, who was on Galactic in 19. And, and and she said, you know, she had a miserable experience on the show. Ken McCord treated her horribly. She said the highlight of being on Galactic in 1980 was being on Battle of the Network Stars. Cool. That she got to be on Battle of the Network Stars. Yeah, and yeah it was I'm, great. It's great. It was a great show. It, w- it was interesting also learning the different personalities on the show. For example, um, the guy who co-starred in, with uh, Edward James Olmos and Miami Vice, three names. Oh, uh, uh, Philip uh, Tubbs. Philip Michael uh, Thomas? Philip yeah, Michael Thomas. Yes, you win. We need a buzzers now. <laughs> love with him because he said he didn't know a thing about tennis. I said, well, we're going to go out at six o'clock in the morning and we're going to practice and I'm going to show you what I can show mm-hmm. you. And then just, and he went out there and he, he let me choose him to be on the team. And I just like, I like that, like willing to make a fool of himself, mm, willing sure. to go out there and do it. Whereas there were other people who are really nameless, <laughs> nameless, uh, for example, a female actress who said that she she wouldn't do the swimming because she didn't want to get her hair wet. And I'm like, really? And now the, you have to understand that half the team hadn't gotten in in time for the, for the televisions, mm. right? And so she was one of the few remaining people who was already in Mexico at that time. So if she didn't swim, th- that, that, that team lost right, yeah. right away. Forfeit, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, really? Your hair? You won't do it because you get your hair wet. And I remember falling in love with Fran. What was her last name? She was on the Bob Newhart show. She played his wife, Fran mm. something. I think it was Fran. 
I'm going to lose this question. Okay. I know. Wait, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's going to look at me like, do you know? I don't know. I don't know. That was Suzanne. <laughs> Suzanne Pochette. Oh, it, no, it wasn't. So it wasn't You're Newhart. right. It, was, it wasn't, it wasn't her. It wasn't Okay. Maybe it was. Anyway. We're not the inglorious Newhart's. That's right. <laughs> so. Uh... She didn't know how to swim. Okay. Uh, and she ended up just so the team would not lose out completely. Wow! Dog paddling across the entire pool. Oh my pool god! And, I, and, I, and awesome. while out, while the other actress yeah. was in the hotel room because she didn't want to get her hair wet, and she was an athletic person. Uh, and I thought, good for you, yeah. getting out there and willing to drown for your team. <laughs> You're fabulous. Let, let's see if we can guess. It's it's early '80s NBC. Yeah, but it was but, the okay. Newhart show. So it's not, not Jane the, Seymour. It, not the it was previous. that was CBS. No, it, it was the other team. I was on NBC, so right. it was the other. Uh, okay, it was the it was other team. Like a CBS, so I think it was team. Yeah, Fran. Yeah. Uh, and but the actress, well, yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I was really. And then you hosted a couple of times too with Howard Cosell. You ho- hosted. I know that was fabulous, and I learned again a lot. Ho- Howard Cosell would start the day with a Long Island iced tea at you. about eight o'clock in the morning and mm-hmm. keep it going all day long. But he was amazing. He never forgot anything. Mm-hmm. And three months later, we were in the studio, and he would be going, and we were looking at the playback, and he'd be talking, talking. And I'm going, I gotta get in there somehow, <laughs> you know. But he. <laughs> He remembered everything, every name of every actor, every score they made. It was absolutely amazing, this man, you know. But watching it now, it's so funny. Here we are with little Erin Gray. <laughs> Look at those legs. Do you know Look what, how she runs. No, you know what he said to me when I showed up on the set? He said, what did you do to your hair? You're, 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 you're over in the business. And, <laughs> Oh. And what I'd done is I'd gotten a perm. Oh, my oh. God. And I didn't know you weren't supposed to wash it. So it was <laughs> curly and not where I wanted it to be, but that w- it was very hard to take for somebody to come on sure. set, and that's the first thing he says. You're, you're out of the business. You're, I was in the dunk, the dunk tank. The dunk yeah, tank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did the dunk tank. Oh, it's online. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> One of those moments oh, where I'm hoping my son's friends aren't seeing it. Watching Battle Network <laughs> stars from the late 70s, done. early 80s? I doubt it. <laughs> well, you know what killed me about that, though? I, I have to mention this, because I, I'm i a girl of the 60s, okay? I haven't worn a bra since the 60s, okay? I don't like them. They're uncomfortable. They're binding. Um, and NBC was always telling me to, like, make sure, put a bra or put a couple extra layers on her. You know, we don't want to see nipples. And God forbid we should see nipples. So I get to Battle of the Network Stars, and I pull out this bathing suit. I said, you can see right through this. <laughs> if you're so worried about my nipples, why are you letting us wear these bathing suits? And when that bathing suit got wet, see right through it. Thank you very much. Thank you, NBC, with all your rules. Anyway. Thank, <laughs> thank you, NBC. That brings us... <laughs> Well, that brings us to white spandex, doesn't it? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So does Gil Gerard. <laughs> so, uh, look, uh, obviously you, you did the miniseries. Battle of Network Stars would be in your future. You had to become a network star first, which you did in 1979 uh-huh. with our uh, the beloved TV series, Buck, Buck Rogers, Rogers in the 25th Century. Yeah. The but year is 1987. Beloved- <laughs> Very good. It was, it was beloved for us, but for you, less so. Initially. Well, should, we, should we begin at the beginning? Let's begin which is, at the beginning. Which is when I got the job. Yes. So I had been shooting 
evening in Byzantium for our miniseries, been working nonstop for weeks. Studio calls me up, and we're doing a night-to-night shoot from 6 at night at night to 6 in the morning. Well, we're glad that this is the end. I'm going to go home. I'm going to see my baby. I, I get a call from Universal Studios saying, we want you in at the studio by 11 o'clock to screen test for Buck Rogers. And I went, what? <laughs> What's Buck Rogers? I, I, I don't want to screen test for something. I haven't even read the script. I don't even know what it's about. What do you, you know? And they said, I said, and furthermore, I've been working nonstop and I'm really tired. And if I'm working all night, 11 o'clock in the morning, I'm, I mean, I, I'm going to be really tired. This is n- not a good thing. I, I, please, I, I don't want to do it. And they said, no, you will do it. Fine. The joys of being under contract <laughs> to Universal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I just remember going into the studio. I was tired. I was pissed. I don't like being bullied and forced to do something. I didn't like that. That I did. I started understanding what being under contract mm-hmm. was. And uh, so I went in there. And Gil Gerard, if you've ever met him, is Mr. Charming. He can't help himself to be charming. You say anything and it's a double entendre. Mm-hmm. Just comes out automatically out of his mouth, which has made him perfect for Buck Rogers, right? So there are other starlets around and they're all going, hi, I want to be Colonel Wellman, whatever. And I'm like, is that the best you can do? Right. Really? Kill? Right? <laughs> You're funny. You're really funny. But So I just gave him attitude and I continued to do that with the with the reading because I hadn't read the script I didn't really know what it was about because all these traits you mentioned were perfect for the mm-hmm. character yes <laughs> exactly and you didn't care and I didn't and that's the other thing yep. I didn't care yeah. and I that seems to happen a lot in my life when I don't care when I care about something like Captain Janeway I mess it up right, right? I just, you know but uh, but yeah so and then I started with Buck Rogers and and it was I, I enjoyed doing it. I loved the part. I loved the character. I mean, what it is to be strong, to be a strong woman, you know, and how does a strong woman act and how does a strong woman stand and how does she carry herself and so I had to explore that for myself, which was, was a learning experience because what a lot of people didn't know is that I was dealing with a domestic violence situation at home. So there was two parts of my character, mm. one part that was fearless and another part that was as my girlfriend said she said, I would come over to your house and you were like a geisha girl. Mm-hmm. You know, careful to, you know, don't say anything. You might, he might get mad, whatever. And it's like, I don't know who you are. When we go on hikes together, you're outspoken, you're great, you're fun. You get at your house and it's like this whole other person appears. So it was great for me to, how to learn how to be strong and how to be a commander. And I remember this, like the first line on Buck Rogers terrified me. So, so many people have said to me, that's my favorite line when you, and I was absolutely shaking in my boots mm. when I said it, like I had never spoken that way before, you know? So it was, it was great. Well, especially in the pilot or the, the two hour movies Movie. that eventually became, um, you were just, uh, you know, very, you know, hard ass and just completely in, you know, command and, and not taking, you know, do not suffer fools gladly. Right, right And, right. you know. When you in the age of Charlie's Angels and the Love Boat, you see a character like that. Well, I it never dawned on me. I mean, I have to tell you, I didn't realize that the character I was playing was not something that was seen on television or movies. I don't know why. I just expected, I think because my mother was a single mom and strong, 
that I just felt everybody's mother was that way. Of course, mine was 6'2 in her stocking feet, so she was always up there. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I I didn't realize it at the time, and it was a great experience for me and, and, you know. Now, things were a little different because, I mean, Bruce Lansbury, who was the showrunner of the first season, yes, uh, uh, you know, obviously butted heads, as did the story editors, with Gil a lot. Gil had very strong opinions of what the show should be. Yes. You sort of had a different approach. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know my way around a set, basically. <laughs> I had gone right from the evening into ba- by Zantam into literally the next day running into Buck Rogers. So, my, you know, I was, you know, a good girl who wanted to please. I showed up on time. I knew my lines and, you know, and, 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 and was thrilled to be there and came in and like, wow, did you see the episode last night? There was a first episode and wow, that was really cool. And how and and I, and I looked around and I'm going, remember, why is nobody working? Okay. Because Gil wasn't happy with your credits. What were my credits? I don't know. I, I didn't pay attention, but it, he didn't like sharing on the Billing, Aaron Gray, and Buck Rogers. Mm. Sorry, I know Gil's going to see this. Oh shit! Shut up, Aaron. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was. I didn't think that way. I was just happy to have the job, happy to be working, except for the fact that I was getting paid less than the janitor on the show. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy because you were under contract. Yeah. Yeah. How high was the janitor's credit? Like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we we have to ask you about right. Because, you know, we, we, we there's a lot to, to unpack, as they say, as the kids say on this. But <laughs> but let's talk about those opening credits in the mo- feature version where you're dancing on the stars. <laughs> the, 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 the immortal the song. James by, the James credits. Bond opening credits. Kip, the song by sing Kip it, Lennon. We won't. No relation. No relation to John. Um, <laughs> clearly. And uh, where, where, what, what was what that? What the hell? Exactly what, <laughs> exactly what I was thinking when I went to wardrobe and I said, I'm wearing what? And I'm going where? And what am I doing? They said, oh, don't worry. They'll tell you when you get there. So I, I remember having this silver lame kind of bathing suit thingy. Right. And they, I, I said, what? I'm, I'm the commander. Why am I? Oh, don't, just don't worry about it. This is what we want. And it was like, shut up. Do the job. Right. Like, what's the job? Be sexy sitting on the ground, whirl, you know undulating, whatever. I said, oh, that I can do. That's fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I really got into it. (laughs) But still didn't understand what this had to do with the movie that I was in. Where's Leonard Nimoy singing (laughs) about Bill the Baggins? (laughs) But it was interesting that I, you know, when when I was first told about the part, it was supposed to be a 10-hour miniseries. Right. I had no idea it was ever going to be a movie. And that's why you see so many two-parters, two-hour two, two hour right. specials, because that's what that original... And it's so funny. It's the same thing that had happened a year earlier with Galactica, where oh, really? originally it was supposed to be... Um, it was a nine-hour miniseries. And what happened after they started getting dailies on the first one is ABC decided they wanted it as an hour series. So instead oh. of doing as many... And, and Glenn Larson said, I think we made a huge mistake doing this because... They couldn't keep we up. The, keep they up, were yeah. shooting multiple episodes at the same time. They were working crazy hours. Right. I mean, the budget ballooned. And so it makes sense that with Buck Rogers, they would say, oh, let's do this as a miniseries or a series of miniseries. Right, miniseries right. Read. So it was 10 hours that they already had written. Yeah. And that was, so that gave them a little time when they started. And then the it. same thing happened. Yeah. It becomes a series. It becomes, it becomes series. an hour, you know, an hour series. And Next uh, thing you know, Gary Coleman is hosting a clip show. Yeah. Yes. That's right. The cosmic Happy birthday, Buck. Yeah, that was my yep. least 
favorite episode. Let's let's put it this way: he was he looked like he was not uh, six eight something like that, mm-hmm. but he was really a sixteen year old boy in heat. Oh boy! And all he wanted to do was climb on my lap. Oh Jesus! And that was a very uncomfortable episode for me. Wow! He's yeah. no Don Ho. that's awful no it was horrible it was horrible for me yeah Yeah, I can look I can imagine he was excited to be there and I I understand he even wore his Buck Rogers uniform on the on his regular Mm -hmm. TV show and stuff like that because he was a huge fan he was a huge fan but he was all over me all yeah yeah and of course he was such a huge star that unfortunately nobody was telling him this is not appropriate right no no well, can't do they that. don't do Down. that in Hollywood. Yeah, no. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they but, don't I mean, say I, that. I even if you were a grown man, mm. twenty years later, they don't say it to the actors. And it, it's amazing because that was the age of TV where it's like you're on a hit sitcom. Well, we'll put you on this. It'll be highly promotable. Right. You know, and that happens less now. But yeah. it was like, oh my, next week Gary Coleman joins. You know, he Buck Rogers, right. and then they right. brought him back again. Yeah. Did we? Did they? A second. Yeah. yeah. A second? He he was the uh, he hosted the clip show. He was a clip show. Yeah. Because oh, okay. it was. Um, there was uh, a blast for Buck, right? Yeah. What was what, wait? And wow. it was wait. I'm trying to remember. But there was the one where you had to rescue him because he'd been kidnapped by Ray Walston. Right. And then yes, there was do. the cliff show where Buck has to relive memories yeah. of previous episodes. Oh, okay. And it turns out yeah. it's a prank. Happy birthday, Buck. Happy birthday Happy from uh, Gary Coleman. David Fincher's the game, only different. Ready? Boy, you know the episodes better than I do. Sad. Right? Nerds. I know. So what was his name? Quick. What was Gary Coleman's name in Buck Rogers? Hieronymus. I don't know his last name. Somebody oh. help me here. Hieronymus? Nobody, nobody knows. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what came up in my yeah, mind. Yeah. We'll let the listeners tell us. Yeah, okay. Or IMDb. Right, right, but right, no, right, right. it's... Um, oh, my goodness. God. I've, I mean, that was like... Whatever. Uh, but so <laughs> the first season, you know, people enjoyed it. It's fun. Um, you know, uh, no you're Vegas flying in space. a space... Well, Dorothy Stratton. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're, you're flying... She was, in, she was fascinating, by the way. How so? I... Being a model, I've been around a lot of attractive women, but I have never seen a woman have an effect on men as she did. Mm-hmm. I remember walking on the set and every guy was absolutely glued to her, mm-hmm. like like mesmerized. And I'm like, hey, I'm here, guys. What, 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 normally <laughs> that goes in my direction. Right. Well, who is this woman? So I'm watching her and I remember she had this scene where she has to just touch. Mm-hmm. She's kind of coming on to Buck, and I'm going, come on, girl, give it some juice. But, but no, she, I learned something watching her. She was so female. She was so receptive. Mm. Whereas I'm more, <laughs> hey, <laughs> more. Yeah, whatever. We had d- different styles. Right. But it was fascinating to watch her because I watched her doing that scene like, every guy was hanging off the ladders, the, the lights, and it just mesmerized me. I'm going, but she's not doing anything. What, you know? <laughs> yes, she was. Yes, she was. <laughs> That's really fun. That's really interesting. You know, you talk about actors where sometimes you look at them and you say, you know, could you give me something bigger? And then you see them in dailies and you say, oh my God, no. Wow. No, it was perfect. Le- le- less was is better yeah. sometimes. And, Absolutely and that, on film particularly. Yeah. And then when you work with somebody like Jamie Lee Curtis, any idea that, you know, she's somebody who would just explode after that show? I didn't do that many scenes with her, so I really didn't think one way or right, another sure, about sure. it. She was just another female star who guest appeared, you know, appeared with Marky Post and 
you know, and yeah. Morgan Brittany and, right. you know, all the, the other procession of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of, of young ladies. Yeah, yeah. Sure. My favorite episode was the Vorvon episode, Spa- the Vampire Space Vampire. Ours, too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was only episode where the my the storyline goes through my character. You looked mm-hmm. like you were having so much I fun. I had so much fun. <laughs> I had so much fun. I and I luckily had a director who totally supported me and I could feel that support. Larry Stewart was his name. And I just went when I had that sense of support from a director, I I just flower. I just it was great. I think it was it was right before one of the commercial breaks. You have the line where I think you just sort of attacked someone, and you say, "It felt so, so good." good. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that was awesome! That was awesome. I, I have to tell you a funny story about that. Okay, so my son is about two years old and doesn't know where mommy goes when she goes to work. Right. So I decided that mom, he needed to have a visual of where mommy goes to work. Mommy's not thinking this day, so oh, I had the housekeeper gosh. come to the oh, set. Oh, no. And no. literally, where I'm being pinned against the wall, having my essence sucked right. out of me, tear coming down my left eye, time to just pursue for the camera to get that, you know? And I look over the Vorvon's shoulder, and there is my son going, just absolutely terrifying, you know? I'm like, and all I'm thinking is, don't say anything. Please don't say anything, you know? Then there was another moment. I I scarred him for life, unfortunately. Mom of the year. (laughs) There was another moment where Mommy decided to bring him to the set, but I had no idea that what we were doing on the set, right? So, because I wasn't scheduled to shoot that day, so I didn't pay attention. So I'm told we're on stage, we're on 27 and something like that, and and, um, the red light goes off. And I open the door and I come in, and the entire stage is dr- draconian flagship from wall to wall. And I'm looking at, wow, this is really cool. And way off on the other end, I hear the director going, All right, we got one take, everybody. One oh, no. take. Team one, are you ready? Oh, team two? Oh, team no. three? <laughs> team four? Team five? And all right, roll them. Action. And the entire draconian flagship exploded. Mm. I've got my son in my arms, and Gil is running straight towards me and my son, and I'm trying to disappear into the wall like I hope they can't see me. And all of a sudden, there's another explosion. And you have to understand, Team One is somebody on a on a springboard flying through Mm -hmm. the air. Team Two is another one flying. All the stunt guys. Gil coming straight at us, and all of a sudden, there's this explosion, and he's covered in all this debris and rocks and metal and whatever and my son going mommy Buck Rogers is dead <laughs> and I'm just hoping so is the PA who was doing lockup on this episode <laughs> I, I came in the wrong different door whatever oh and I'm just thinking I hope the sound man didn't get that and then you know, here is Gil cut and Gil comes out from underneath the rubble and he looks up at my son and he winks and my son's like ooh okay he's okay and then he <laughs> grabs this huge boulder and throws it at my son and my son went like this and then he went he, you could see the wheels turning like <laughs> how could I carry something that's a boulder mm-hmm. and have it be so lightweight because it was all foam or the you know oh, styrofoam so or whatever funny. it was yeah yeah so like cut to 15 years later I'm doing uh, Friday the 13th and I go into my son's room and I go hell I'm doing a horror film you want to come he goes Nah, nah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but his nephew, 
or his cousin, my nephew, who was a year younger, said, yeah, I'll go. And now he's running my company. That's so funny. That is so, which we're going to get to. But yeah. before we get to Heroes for Hire, <laughs> yeah. we got to talk about the, the infamous second season of Buck Rogers. Ah, right. So yes. Lansbury's gone. Yes, um, sadly to and, say. And yes. Alan Brennert and Ann and all the people. And now they bring in John Mantley. They, they, they trot him out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he'd been in the business forever doing Westerns and decides now Buck Rogers, what Buck Rogers needs to be is a uh, Western in space. And he's literally going to take old Gunsmoke episodes and he put did. them in space. Mm-hmm. He did. The so, first two-hour uh, two opening special was a two-hour Gunsmoke special, and he just changed the names around. And he hired the same actress, wow. Barbara Luna. Yeah. Mm, wow. <laughs> to play the same part. <laughs> and, 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 and they take you, who's this empowered, strong, yeah. female, you know, uh, in command of the Earth Defense Director under Dr. Hewer, and now suddenly you're a Dairy Queen, sir. Dairy Queen in space. That's yeah, what we call yeah. that uniform that they gave me. Yes. And I, I, all I remember is his taking me out for drinks before the series began, the second season. He says, well, I, I don't know if I'm going to bring you back. And I went, <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> you're kidding, right? Because you obviously have no idea the impact of those stretch suits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, no matter how bad the show got, people would tune in for you. Right. Thank you, know? you very much. And, 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 and what, strangely enough, I used to wear a bathrobe to go to lunch at the commissary because I was embarrassed <sighs> to be walking around in those spandex suits because we didn't walk in public right. in those days. Yeah. It, they, now, <laughs> everybody wears spandex, right. yeah. you know. Yeah, but, we, yeah. we didn't. Tune in every week because of Gil. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Even after his notes. Don't tell him that. Okay. <laughs> I'll Thank try you. not to. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so now so now Mantley is doing this and and basically turns into his faux Star Trek being made for a buck ninety nine. I mean, did you feel like? The writing was on the wall even as the season was underway, or did you ha- hold out hope that, hey, maybe this is the right approach, maybe we can get the ratings up and there is a future in this? I didn't think that way. Mm. I, I thought, I, for me, it was, I have a job to do, I'm trying to do sure. the best I can with what I've got, and they're all experts, and they're going to make this work. Sure. I, I just, just put it all, I didn't, it wasn't, wasn't up to me to try to figure out or worry about it or anything like mm-hmm. that. I just just showed up and you know I was always excited to get the new script and what are we doing this week and there were some couple of good episodes I thought in those um, and you had a love interest that could remove his, his head, head. Yeah. I mean Mark Leonard you know, right yeah. doesn't get much better than that <laughs> <laughs> see who brings it back to Star Trek that's right there you go <laughs> yeah he was nice he was very pleasant to work with um, yeah I was I, I met a lot of stars working on Buck Rogers. Ann Jeffries was one of my favorites. Mm. I mean, I loved her. Grew up on her TV series, Topper, yeah. and she was... I mean, know. that was the great thing, because you had all these legendary like character actors and people who had been in features right. all those years who are now sort of at the end of their careers doing TV. I mean, you know, obviously the more famous ones are like Joan Crawford and Betty Davis who were doing TV and Barbara Stanwyck, but it's like... People like that. I mean, even Wilford Hyde White, you yes. know, who was a regular on yes. your show. He always had a twinkle in his eye. He was he was a sweetheart. I enjoyed him. And always a drink in his hand. No, no I've never. His son told the story. Oh, really? Yes, that 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 his job was to just make sure that he always had a drink. Is this Alex? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Alex my did kids bit, to do that. Bit, bit parts mm-hmm. on the show at yeah, that time. He was under contract to Universal. Oh. Yeah. I had no idea. They found him when he came with his dad. He was he was assistant to his dad on Galactica. And the casting people saw him and said, oh, are you an actor? And he said, no, I sell real estate. Well, now you're an actor. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's... It's all who you know in Hollywood. It's yeah. all, who you know, all who you know. 
But I mean, such weird choices in terms of the, you know, uh, there was the Admiral Jay Garner as Admiral yeah. Asimov, and you know, obviously the, the nice the, guy, but just didn't out of his depth. Just didn't have it. He was in a different show. Hell yeah. 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 <laughs> you were all in a different I mean, show in the second what, season. I really. mean, Tim O'Connor brought such gravitas and fun and, and I, I love Tim. Tim. Tim was my rock on the set. I, I learned a lot from him. He sort of mentored me and gave me advice. And, you know, and any question I had, he was there for me. And I think I told you we ended up doing a movie together. You did. His, his last feature film was something that I brought to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Dreams Awake. Did you get a chance to see it? Not, yet. Not yet. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> Not yet. But it was one of those situations with, um, well, should I tell the backstory to that or just tell the dreams awake story what no no tell, 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 tell well I I had just finished doing a movie in Romania called ghouls and we finished the last shot at three in the morning and I remember lying there on the cobblestone streets having ghouls eating my guts eating mm-hmm. my intestines and I remember lying there going is this where my career is going <laughs> this is how I'm gonna remember to whatever so as I flew the next nine ten hours home and when the plane landed, I, I was, or just before the plane landed, I was saying, please, God, I don't believe in God, but I was saying to the universe, please give me something that I'd be proud of. And so I, I, the plane lands and my agent calls me. He said, Aaron, you have an audition. I went, what do you mean I have an audition? <laughs> I worked, you know, 20 something hours. I flew 10 hours on a plane. I don't like the way I smell at this point. So I'm just going home. He said, no, 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 no. You've got to go on this audition. I said, it's a cold reading. No. And he's, and he, and then he said, okay. And he then calls me back. He says, they'll wait for you. Of course, this is magic words to an mm-hmm. actress. You know, they're going to wait for me. Oh, okay, great. So I went home, took a shower, went over to the meeting and I got in there and they gave me these sides and I just started reading these sides. And what I told you at lunch is years before I had been modeling in Long Island and along Long Island there was a flea market along the roadside. And I picked up a book and I opened it up and it said, today we're, I'm sorry to say that we're at war with our brothers in the South. And I, and I realized it was somebody's diary and I looked at it, it was my great grandmother's diary. And I just remember going, this, I said, where did you get this book? And she said, at a farmhouse in Vermont. I said, this is my grandmother. I didn't have f- five cents to my name. Mm-hmm. I couldn't buy it. I was kind of hoping, like, can you just give it to me? It's my grandmother's. It's really technically mine, you know. So when I read the sides, it was exactly that, a woman who opens the journal to her parents on how they died mysteriously and whatever. And I just remember trans putting that feeling that I had gotten at that roadside right into the, the dialogue. And I remember looking up and everybody went, that was, wow, that was great. Oh, okay, maybe I should do more cold readings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, But it was wow. like the universe came together. And it was a wonderful r- director and writer and producer. We share similar philosophies about religions and, and so on in the universe. And this was a very special project that they had written. And... I was like, thank you, thank you, you heard me, you know, and I did this part. So anyway, we're shooting up in the mountains in Mount Shasta, and the gentleman that they had hired started having some mini strokes, and I started noticing as we were going through the lines, Mm -hmm. he just wasn't there, and I warned them, and he wasn't used to high altitudes, so they ended up taking him to the hospital, and they were like, this is our first day of shooting, now what are we going to do? And I went, 
Tim O'Connor is in the mountain over here. And I Mm. just saw him in Nevada City. And he's been living up in high altitude. And all I remember is climbing this, running up the stairs with my suitcase at the age of 78 or something. I said, he'll be great. He was wonderful. He came in, saved the day, and did a far better performance than I think the other gentleman could have done. He was just fabulous. Wow, that's so great. Yeah, it was great. But did somebody give you the damn nickel to go back and get the journal? (laughs) (laughs) No. You didn't get the journal? No, this is years and years and years before. Yeah. 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 And I have to tell tell you... It is my biggest regret. But we didn't have cell phones. Mm-hmm. I'm on Long Island on right. a, along a with highway no with no money, oh no God. phone, no way of, 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 of getting this. I mean, I, if I'd called my father, you know, he probably would have coughed up the money. But, you know, I, I don't know. Did we have, yeah, we had credit cards. But still, it was oh, or barely. I don't know. Whoever's yeah, no, listening to this right now, yes, if you, if have, you that have it, contact us so we can get it back to <sighs> yeah. Aaron Gray. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. It's that's the one deepest regret I have is I didn't get a chance to read that and buy it. Yeah, and it's so great that you gave Tim that opportunity to uh, do that because he passed away this year, obviously, yes. and you know, um, just had yeah. done such great work in his career to have that, you know, to be proud of at the end. Yeah, you know, it's great. Yeah. Well, you know, when all this is done, we we started at the beginning talking about how you started this company, Heroes for Hire, <laughs> where you represent. So I, it's only appropriate that we talk. Can you tell us a little bit about the business and you know how you ended up? representing actors and 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 how it's grown to be so successful it's all five Gil, employees it's, act, it's actually all Gil's fault <laughs> as always <laughs> I, you know it's it started out with uh, I went through a divorce and found out I was bankrupt which after having two successful careers was numbing and scary and you know I I didn't know when the next acting job was going to come and I remember going off and doing a seminar at the Museum of Television and Radio in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it was women of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So Barbara Luna and um, oh, a tall woman, cat woman, oh, Julie, Julie Newmar, Julie Newmar uh, and other women were all there. And after we did the seminar, uh, they're off chatting, talking to each other. They all knew each other. And I'm sort of... I hear money, and I'm going, what, what are you talking about? What, what conventions? Oh, really? And they said, yeah, you should do conventions. And I went, oh, yeah, well, Buck Rogers was, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, I, I don't think anybody would remember. And they just kind of did a slow yeah. turn. I had no idea that Buck Rogers was as popular as it turned out to be two years None. why would you think and it was kind of out of syndication there weren't enough episodes where it really it's not the Brady Bunch you know right right going on and and so uh, I they said <laughs> they just they started laughing <laughs> you, really you really no 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 trust us you should do these I went okay so I didn't pay any attention to it until Barbara Luna called me up mm-hmm. one day she said Aaron I want you to go. (laughs) You're going to show up at this place and bring 600 pictures and call me back later and say thank you. I went, okay, okay, all right. And so I I end up going to the Burbank Convention Center Mm -hmm. and I drove up and I see this line around the building and I'm like, and I go up to the promoter, hi, I'm Aaron Gray. I said, who's that line for? And he said, you. And I went, no. Really? And I just remember sitting there signing autographs and hearing people come up to me and saying, we got married, it's Buck and Wilma. And I went, really? <laughs> okay. And you're the reason I became an Air Force pilot. I am? 
wow, that's, and you're the reason I became a, a detective and I don't know, all day long. And I'm like, this is so cool. This is so unbelievable. I mean, at a time in my life where I really hit rock bottom and was crying myself to sleep and not knowing what I was going to do. And I had literally, literally had gone to an employment agency because I needed a job. Yeah. I needed to pay the bills. Right. And I remember how it was embarrassing. They didn't know what to do with me. I said, I know. I said, what have you done? I said, well, I was a model. And I was an actress. And yet, what can you type? I said, mm. I can learn. Mm. And, uh, I'm really smart. And they, well, I don't know. You know, maybe you can go work for a charity somewhere. I'd love to work for a charity. Do they pay anything? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, to me, it was about getting a job. And, and I remember walking out of that meeting and going, what am I going to do? So when I went and did this convention, I went, okay. Are there any more like these? And so I started, there was a little pamphlet from Pegasus Publishing that they would list all the conventions in those days. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we even had computers right. quite yet. And I called, I had no problem cold calling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then one day Gil comes to me or calls me up. He says, so oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm going to Ohio. And he said, what are you doing in Ohio? And I said, I'm going to a, a convention. It's a Star Trek convention. But they asked me to, you know, to be there. And he said, well, I want to go. And he had just gotten a divorce from Connie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I said, well, I'll call them, and you know, I'm sure if they want me, they're going to want you. And and he and he said, okay, and I'll pay you ten percent. And I went, you're a friend. I'm going to make a phone call. Hardly, you know, I'm not going to take ten percent. He said, I'm going to make you work for it. I went, okay. So, and he made me work for it. Mm -hmm. Trust me, he made me work for it. <laughs> but anyway, so I got him that job, and and he he did it. And then he went and played golf with Mark Singer from Beastmaster and mm -hmm. V. And Mark, I had done a movie with his sister, Laurie Singer, sure. and, mm -hmm. and plus, I think at uh, that time, my daughter was in the same ballet class as his daughter. Anyway, so he called me up, and he said, I want to do it, and I'm not about to call anybody. And I said, 10%, mm -hmm. we're good. <laughs> you know. And it just sort of been helping friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and then I kind of looked around the business and went, you know, we need to have contracts, you know, and have you offer, offered car service and a little of this and a per diem? Actors love their per diem. Don't ever take their per diem away. It's more important to them than it is the salary. Yeah. Trust me on this, you know, or make sure you feed them. Have a good green room is the most, you know, that kind of stuff. And we um, just started. And it was it was I didn't know what I was doing. I just did it. That's the fearless yeah. part of me. I would take contracts and I'd look at the different contracts and go, oh, I like the way that one's written. I'll take that paragraph. Oh, I'll move it with that paragraph. And oh, no, that one's better there. And I just started creating these contracts. And then after a while, every actor has an agent or a, a, an attorney. Right. And then my contract has been rewritten so many times <laughs> every attorney in Los Angeles at this point. So I'm feeling very secure about that. But anyway, so the business just started growing. And uh, and became a business, and what and it was new uh, in the fact that, you know, most of the promoters at that time were guys who owned their own comic book store, mm -hmm. so in Ohio or wherever, right. and they would do their annual event with fans, or it'd be a fan-based event or something like that. But then other large corporations started going, ooh. This looks interesting. So you have the big corporations like Reed Expo mm -hmm. or um, Informa who are international convention promoters, promoters yeah, yeah, yeah. who do things like sell yachts and spa equipment right. and other things. And they're looking at the entertainment business going, oh, this looks sexy. Let's get into the entertainment business. And then watching how the business changed with them going in and buying up all the mom and pop shows yeah. that had mm -hmm. uh, had worked with it's all like those Reed, people. It's like Reed, you know, Minim who does 
C2E2 and New York Comic Con, they yes. also do MIP, which is the can of film, yes. you know, yes, of TV. Exactly. You know, that MIPCOM can is the can of film. No, they do, <laughs> they do, they do MIPCOM, which is the, the can the, of television. And all the book expos. And all, right, and all the book expos, which yeah. Are, where you want to go to get your next script, you know, or your next movie idea, something, you know. So it's interesting. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's amazing how you've turned that into, you know, big success and, and, and you know, minting the genre stars of, you know, tomorrow, you know, so many eras, you know, the past and the present and, 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 and the future. And it just seems like that business just continues to grow and grow and grow. But it's, it's interesting to see where it grows. I, 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 I have a there's a certain thing that's happening in that fans are getting very blasé now. Mm. They're seeing their stars all the time. So right. there isn't as much excitement as there was 10, 15 years ago. So I, I see the need for bringing new substance to these. That people haven't seen before. That they haven't seen right. before. Yeah. So for example, right now we represent a lot of um, Tom Welling and most of the cast of Smallville or a lot of the cast of Smallville. and Not the ones who are in jail. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Oh my God! It's the most horrific story. Yes, and I just read a Robert Parker mystery novel that dealt with that exact oh, really? kind of thing. Yeah. Just finished it in Palm Springs, which was really weird. But she'll be in demand when she gets out. It's just—it's so bizarre. Yeah. Such a sweet girl. You, I mean, it, it just shows. I mean, it's like you would never be able to guess. You couldn't make up a story like no. that. No, exactly. Well, Robert Parker did, or yeah, maybe he okay. stole the idea from. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway. But so what's happening is, is like he and Michael Rosenbaum now do skits. Mm. So they'll go to an event, and there's a special paid event in the evening right. where they'll take old scripts, and they'll act out, and they'll bring you know um, fans up on the stage mm-hmm. and get them to read various characters. They love it. Yeah, of course. It, and they're all having they're all having fun, yeah. and that's you know makes it special. And I think that's know? where it has to go because I think just getting an autograph and a picture it's those not, days are over. Especially if you've had you know over and over and over again, it's like I think people want to taste or feel like what it's like. They are part of something. it's like part of something, the old right. Ben Stiller show. I'm friends with Scotty, right. and Ben Stiller was you know running Hanging around with, with James Doohan, and like yeah. it's like for for a few minutes you or whatever you want to feel like there's a connection. Right. Right. Um, right. right. So yeah. we we have another act, um, a group of guys, and they've created a band called the Action Figures, <laughs> and these are all actors who have action figures. Oh, that's funny. You know, and there's like ten of them, and so they, you know, we only need six or something. So whoever is available, will move they them in and whatever. And, and they're they're incredible. Really incredible. And they Scott. all play lead guitar. Nobody plays. <laughs> 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 they all want to be the lead singer. <laughs> well, actually, Scott Grimes. Nailed it. I, I was told that he did a, an impersonation of Queen on stage and mm. nailed it. I mean, everybody was just telling me you had to see it. It was absolutely incredible. Oh, that's great. So, you know, they're all very talented. You know? Well, this was a delight. And, you know, this was truly, wouldn't you say this was a delight? Completely it's delight. delight. Yes. Does delight do it justice? I, I think it was not a delight. Do it justice. Okay. You said that to the other guy who just laughed. <laughs> I did. I, this was a true delight. Okay. We say that to Scott because he's Scott. He's sensitive. But in this case, this was an actual delight. Thank you. So, um, anyway, thank you to Aaron. Thank you to Ashley you. for joining thank us you. for uh, Inglorious Trexperts. If you're a fan of the podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts, like the 430 Movie, in which a panel of filmmakers curate a fantasy theme week of classic movies every Friday, as well as, well, my favorite, next to our podcast, Best Movies Never Made, every other Monday, which is fantastic. The upcoming Two on Who, a new Doctor Who podcast, debuting in 2020. And, of course, 
if this is an episode where you're going to want to watch it. You're not just going to want to listen because Aaron Gray is here, right? <laughs> so you want to stream uh, the Electric Surge podcast, Ele- Inglorious, on Electric Now. You can do that by downloading the Stir Zumo or Distro TV app on your tablet, phone, or TV, or hopefully soon the Electric Now app uh, where it'll be available. Um, Stir has a great program guide so you can see what episode of Inglorious Trexperts is on and say, oh, is that the Aaron Gray episode? I want to watch that. <laughs> also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We may read your post in a future episode. And finally, very special thanks. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Bill Ritter, back there behind the big board. Thank you, Bill, and everyone here at Electric Surge Network. Good episode, huh? Great. Really good. I know. I know. We, we don't go over for just anybody. Oh. You know, and, and uh, producer See, now. I made you late, and then we go over. Uh, <laughs> but it was worth it. Natalie, Viscali, thank you very much. Great episode, huh? Yeah, you didn't say that to Scott Mance, did you? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> and a very special thanks to Dean Devlin, without whom the show would not be possible. So until next week, keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course. Shh. Engage. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.